0: Open with me to Ephesians chapter four, and I've got—I I know uh, there's something down inside of me. I'm not sure how to get it out, because it's a large subject, and we could spend several years on it and still not cover it. And you know me, that could be dangerous. <laughs> and uh, uh, so um, uh, um, I was just—I was on the way over. I had told my wife I don't know what it is today. But my ears are clogged this afternoon, this evening. So I can't hear myself. That's not good news for you. That means I don't know whether I'm going along or not. No, I'm just teasing. So if I seem a little cloudy in my thinking, it's because I may have trouble hearing. But I hear from down in here. I want to read some scripture to you, and then I want to uh, share something about, because it's a large subject. It's maybe the biggest subject in the Bible, and the most important subject in the Bible. The, the title of the message tonight, I don't know if it fits the message or not, because I've got to give a title early on, is, is The Necessary Ingredient and um, my mother was a great cook and, and she would bake things and she never used recipes she'd just throw something together and somebody asked her you know how did you do that I don't know I just cut some of this and some of this and put it together so when I was younger I decided she taught me how to cook and bake some things and when we were first married I decided to try some of that and uh, <laughs> found out the gifting was with my mother not with me <coughs> because I didn't exactly understand the difference between uh, um, baking soda and baking powder... Uh, I didn't cre- understand what yeast was about. And those are kind of important ingredients if you're going to bake something to know what the difference of those things are. And, and, and the Christian walk, if you've been saved for more than very long, the Christian walk can kind of, it can overwhelm you in the sense of, well, I, am I doing this right? Am I doing that? You know, am I, am I giving enough? Am I praying enough? Have I, you know, am I supposed to fast? What, what, am, what am I supposed to do? And, and, and really it's simple. But it gets complicated in the living it out because we basically live whatever the issues that are we're dealing with right now in our lives. And, and it's a process of, well, a pastor I had years ago used to call it adjust and repair. When a pilot flies his, files his flight plan, which is, you know, how he's going to get from point A to B, um, it almost never works that way. Because you've got the wind, the wind changes direction or increases in velocity, uh, air pressure may change, there may be uh, storms, and so they've got to go through a constant process of adjust and repair, which means they have to make an adjustments to the, to, the, to the plan, but they do it with the idea they're going to get to where they were intended to get to. And, the, and our walk with the Lord is a process of that. And it's not because of Him, it's because of life bumps against us, Issues come up, uh, we may not always do the things that we're supposed to do. And the faithfulness of God is that no matter what adjustments you need to make, He is there to help you make that adjustment and get you back on course. But what we're going to talk about tonight, or at least begin to talk about tonight, is the key ingredient. If you don't know where you are, if you seem to be floundering right now, if, you, if things just aren't going right in your life right now, if you're struggling, here's a place to go back and check first here's a place to go back and check first the other reason i want to share this is i'm just i'm sensing that there are situations in people's lives right now there's pressure in a lot of people's lives and understand this i've taught you this before satan is a deceiver that means he never what he looks like he's coming after is never what he's after and i've used the example before of a pickpocket a pickpocket is a deceiver, or a con artist is a deceiver. So they make you think they're doing one thing, when in reality, they're distracting you from what they really want. So if you're in an area where you say, be careful, there's lots of pickpockets around here, and somebody bumps up against you, you know, don't look at them, feel for where your wallet ought to be, because that's what they're after. And so the Bible tells us not to be ignorant of his devices. Why? Because the Bible will tell you what he's after. So, no matter what's going on in your life, the Bible will tell you what He's after. And the Bible tells us, it tells us how to go through the difficult times of life without the enemy being able to pull us down and to pull us off course. And this is perhaps the number one thing He's after in our lives because it is the greatest protection that you can have. So we'll start here, and we're going to go to a couple of verses here, and then we'll just go some other places. Let's pray first. Father, we thank you tonight that we've been able to come and worship you. Thank you that we can come, Lord, because of the blood of Jesus, boldly and confidently today, no matter what our day's been like, no matter what we've been like today, we can come boldly tonight into the throne of an almighty and a holy God, because of what Jesus has done for us and the blood that he shed for us. And we thank you for that tonight. And now we come to your word, your sacred word, the God-breathed word that's been given to us tonight to breathe life into our lives, to bring life into our spirits, to give us wisdom and direction, Father. And we thank you for it. And we thank you for the anointing of your spirit that's here tonight to give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to grasp and understand what you want to say to us and to do in our lives tonight. Father, wherever there needs to be adjustments in our lives, may the Spirit of God make those adjustments within. Wherever there needs to be encouragement, may He encourage us. And may we hear what it is you have to say to each one of us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, as I've taught you before, Ephesians chapter 1 through chapter 3 basically says it's one of the most complete and in-depth and shortest explanations of what God has done for us in Christ. But chapter 4 begins with this word... Therefore, word therefore always tells you to stop and look back at what's going on before, because what he's about to say is based on what he just said. So really what he's saying here is because of what God has done for us, because of who he's made us to be in Christ, because we are now sons and daughters of the living God, we are children of God, we've been born again with his nature inside of us, because of that, there are certain things we need to do. If he hadn't done those things which are described in chapters 1 through 3, then we couldn't do the things that are in chapter 4 through chapter 6. Many of us tried to do those things before we came to Christ and discovered we couldn't do them. But now that you're in Christ, now that you're born again, now that God's nature has been birthed in you, now that you're his child, we can do the things he's about to tell us to do. Because really all he's going to tell us to do is to act like who we are. It's really that simple. And really that's the struggle is are we going to act like who we are? instead of who we used to be. That was really popular. <laughs> All right, let's go on to it. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling to which you were called. Not will be called. Not walk in this this way so that God will call you. But because you have been called. And if we went back into Romans chapter 8, it was so we'd see that we were called to be conformed to the image of His Son. In fact, he's going to talk about that later in this chapter. We won't get into that. But, but, so what he's saying here is that we are to, he's beseeching us, he's encouraging us, he's challenging us to walk worthy of the calling with which you've already been called. So God's not unjust. He's not going to ask us, expect us to do something. He hasn't already given us the ability to do. He's just requiring of us that we do what he's already given us to do, to use what he's given us, to, what he's already put in us, to, be, to act like who we are. It's really that simple. Now here it gets interesting. This is what it's like. With all lowliness, now that doesn't mean, oh, I'm never going to amount to anything. Oh, I know it's just, um, I've always been a, a piece of trash. I'll never be anything. I can't do anything. That's not what lowliness means. Lowliness means to not think more highly of yourself than you want. Or not to think more highly of anybody of yourself than anybody else. Years ago I heard this statement that, 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 that the, the ground at the foot of the cross is level. And we all come into the kingdom of God through the foot of the cross. So whether you were wealthy and have uh, 14 PhDs with a huge income, or you're, you were pulled off, of the, off of, the, out of the gutter of the street, we all come through the base of the cross. It's the great leveler. Yes. It's the great leveler. And so the lowliness means that not to think of yourself beyond where you ought to think of yourself, to recognize who, where we've come from. with all lowliness and gentleness, the word gentleness doesn't mean weakness. Years ago, there was a TV program about an animal, and the name of the program was Gentle Ben. Anybody remember what Ben was? It was a bear. He wasn't weak because gentleness is restrained strength. It's restrained. Jesus was gentle, but he was powerful. He said to Pilate, he said, I could if I wanted to call down legions of angels. They were at my disposal, but I've chosen not to. That was gentleness. So with all lowliness or meekness and gentleness... With long suffering. That means putting up with stuff a long time. Say, how long is long? Well, how long has God put it up with you? How long has God put up with stuff with you? That's how long. Bearing with one another in love. That's what we're going to talk about. Bearing with one now the word bearing implies friction. To have to bear up under something, there's something to bear up under. If you got to put up with somebody, that means there's something they're doing you got to put up with. If it's your most favorite person in the world doing your most favorite activity, that's not putting up with something. Have to wonder if I ask my wife, you want to go out to eat? And she, well, I guess I got to put up with it this time. No, it's one of her favorite things to do. I don't have to, I don't have, I don't have to, I don't have to guess what the answer is going to be. It's just where. So when we go out to eat, it's not putting up with something because it's one of her favorite things to do. So the idea we have to bear with one another means that every once in a while, one of us is doing something with one another we've got to bear with. And just possibly, we're doing things that other people have to bear with. I know it's hard to imagine, but it's just listen, hypothetically, is it possible that people may have to put up with you? endeavoring to keep that means work to endeavor something is to work at something endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace if we have to endeavor to keep it that means there's pressure bringing up against it to make it pull the other way and we're trying to keep something that god's created But there's an enemy out there trying to pull it apart. One of the things I'll share with people when they've come forward and answered an altar call is one of the things I say to them is that one of the things you need to do in order to, 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 to maintain your walk with God is you need to be in a church like this every week, at least once a week, but really more than once a week. Because I said everything out there is designed to pull you away from what God just did with you. Have any of you experienced the pressure of the world? Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, to not be conformed to this world. That word conformed in the original language of Greek implies an external pressure that's being pressed against you to make you look and act like the world looks and acts, even though that's not your nature. That's what that word actually means if you study it out. There's pressure against us. And the pressure, you've got to understand, is to pull us apart. To break up the unity of the bond of peace. Now, Paul goes on to explain that the body of Christ literally is his body. So to be pulled apart, to have parts of the body pulled or separated from other parts, is painful to him it's pulling parts of his body off. And not only is it painful to him, it's painful to those body parts. And that's what the enemy's after. To disturb and break up the unity, the unity of the body. Because there is power in that unity. If you go back into Genesis chapter 11, you'll see the story of the Tower of Babel. These are unbelievers. These aren't Christians. They got together and decided they were going to build a tower to heaven. And that represents several things. It represents they were going to do this by their own effort, not by relying on God. So there was no faith involved. Secondly, they were going to basically get themselves to heaven. God said, God said, i got to do something. Because if I don't take action, listen to what he says, nothing they determine to do will be restrained from them. In other words, and nothing that they determine to do will they not be able to do. This is without the Spirit of God. This is without the Word of God. This is even against the, the will of God. But he's saying... And the reason what he said, but, and this is how I've got to do it. I've got to come down and confuse their language so that they cannot be in agreement together. That tells us. God is telling us that the power of that unity of that agreement is so strong that even people working against his purpose, even people working without his spirit and anointing, if they come into actually unity and agreement, nothing they do will not be restrained for them. So God had to break it up. Satan understands that principle. And we have the will of God. We're working towards the will of God. We have the Spirit of God. So his device is to create disunity. And the image we have because he deceives us is, well, that's not going to hurt anybody. Who am I? I'm just some small insignificant person. So if I get offended and upset at somebody else, what difference does it make? Well, we're going to talk about what difference it makes. First of all, it makes a difference to him. Yes. Let me ask. Let me just ask you a question. I don't have something here tonight. which just as good. Well, I don't have the sword tonight. <laughs> but, I mean, I could pick somebody tonight and say, well, you know. No, you don't want me to do this example. Steve, you're a good one. You're a little toe. I mean, it's not the most important part of you, is it? So, so, we we'll, we'll just cut it off. And what difference is that really going to make? I mean, you may limp a little bit, but how is that going to hurt you or anybody else? It's going to hurt to cut his little toe off. And when we get offended at somebody else in the body of Christ, it's that painful to him. And whether you realize it or not, it's painful to you and the person you separated from. The reason you, oh, the reason you can't feel the pain is you're so focused on yourself. You're not conscious of the body. You're just focused on you and what they did to you. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So the Spirit of God has brought us together. He's the unifying force that holds us together. And when we break that or allow that to be separated and broken, we create disunity in the body. Any wonder why the church hasn't been effective? And the will of God's been frustrated. Well, let's talk about... Let's, let's, one this that's wonderful about the Word of God is it just doesn't deal in concepts. It deals, brings it down to where we live. So let's go down to verse uh, 17. He's talked about the body. We spent a whole, almost a whole year on these verses in between. Verse 17 is going to now get specific about how to maintain the unity of the body. This I say, therefore, in testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk... Let's go down to verse 25. Well, let's read 17. won't hurt us. This I say, therefore, in testifying the Lord that you should no longer walk. Now, the New King James says, as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Actually, the better translation is as the Gentiles walk. How do they walk? In the futility of their mind. Oh, we could spend some time in that. "Having Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them. No matter how wise they are, they're ignorant when it comes to the life of God. Because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feelings, have given themselves over to lewdness, that's unrestrained passion, to work all uncleanliness with greediness. But you've not so learned Christ, ah, have you? If indeed you've heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. So you've that old man's still around, that's your flesh. And the choice here is which am I gonna do? Am I gonna walk in the nature that's been birthed in me? when I receive Christ or am I going to give way to my old nature which is what I'm wearing on the outside my flesh that you be renewed verse 23 in the spirit of your mind that really means to renew your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holy well you can't God can't expect me to but he says to put on True righteousness and holiness. Why? Because He's already given it to you. This is a black wool suit. The only reason I could put it on tonight is it was in my closet. I had it. I don't own a blue serge suit. So as much as I may have been told to put on a blue serge suit tonight, I couldn't have put one on because I don't have it. So you can only put on something you have. But I've got a number of striped suits in my closet, but I'm not wearing them tonight because I didn't choose to put them on. So you can't see my striped suits tonight. I've got two very nice suits I bought last year. and, 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 and But you can't see them tonight. have them, why can't you see them? Because I didn't put them on. But I could have because I have them in my closet. So whether I wear them or not is my choice. Not my closet's choice. But if if I didn't have one, and this W to be a suit somebody gave me. If that suit hadn't been given to me, then it wouldn't matter how much I wanted to put it on. I couldn't have because I didn't have it. But now that I have it, it's up to me whether I put it on. So it's up to you and me whether I walk in that holiness and righteousness because it's been put in me. That wasn't much more popular. Now he's going to get practical. Verse 25. Therefore, putting away lying, let each of you speak truth with his neighbor. Why? Because we're members of one another. We're joined to the to so the body of Christ. So when I lie to you, I'm lying to the, another part of the body. Be angry... And do not sin. That means it's possible to be angry and not sin, but it's also possible to be angry and sin. What's the difference? Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't stay angry. Anger is an emotion. Sometimes it's rooted in fear. Sometimes it's rooted in security, which is really another form of fear. So usually there's something else underneath it. One of the things I've learned in life is when I have an emotional reaction to ask myself why. Why did that upset me so much? especially if it's an overreaction. Why did I get so upset about that? Oh, it's almost never the issue that you got upset about. Usually it's something that you're afraid of, something you, about you. So I've learned to use, and I'm con- still learning, to use my emotions as a, way to, as a way of taking my spiritual temperature. Jesus got angry, you know. Ask the money changers. He upset their tables in their business. But he didn't lose control of himself. He wasn't angry in defense of himself. He was upset at what they were doing in his father's house of prayer. Jesus never defended himself. He was never angry for himself. Let him steal. Oh, let's go on. Do not... This is what I want to see. Be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, don't let your anger fester. Have a deadline for settling it. Oh, but you know, you don't understand my nationality. I don't find that in here. I don't see Paul saying, Be angry, do not sin, and let your Portuguese or Italian... I mean, because you can put almost every nationality in there. By the way, I thought you were saved. If, if your if your national heritage is giving you a reason to not do a God's work, I thought you were saved. Because my Bible says that when I'm saved, there's no longer Jew or Greek. But we're all one in. Christ, be angry and do not sin do not let the sun go down on your head look at verse 27 don't give place to the devil now have, it, it, it doesn't say don't let him come take it does it It says, don't give it to him. Jesus said to to his father, he said, all those that's given to me, the enemy couldn't take. The devil can't take it from you. Or else he would say, don't let the devil take it from you. Look, Look at your Bible. Don't. Give place to him. There's a fly in our house the other day. And I didn't go around, I wonder how that thing got in here. Now, I don't know what door it came in from, but it was, took no rocket science to figure out. I had left the back door open. Not for long. We have a sliding screen door. We've got a porch in the back, and I, you know, a place where I go out and read. And I come in, maybe for a cup of coffee, and went back out again. And the other way around, I went out and came back in again. And, and, and I, I, for those few moments, I left the screen door open. In all likelihood, that's how he got in. I gave place to him. He didn't tear the screen down, he didn't rip it off the frame and burst in there. Why? Because my screen is stronger than that fly. One of the names for Satan is Beelzebub. And you know what that name means? Lord of the flies. My Bible tells me in Colossians 1.13 that I've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness over into the kingdom of light. Satan has no place over in the kingdom of light unless I give him place. The testimony of Jesus at the end is Satan could find nothing in him. In other words, Jesus never gave him place. Is it possible if Satan has been cleaning your clock, taking your lunch, stealing from you, is it possible that somewhere you've given him place? I believe there's a connection between verse 26 and verse 27. Let me put it down this simply. Whether you walk in love with your brothers and sisters is absolutely vital to your health to your prosperity to your protection when you step out of love you step out of God I'm not saying you lose yourself I'm not talking about that You, because God is love So you cannot step out of love and not somehow step away from Him. Psalm 91, we love to quote it and stand on it. We forget the beginning of it is crucial to all the promises of what God wants to do. The rest of Psalm 91, the protection and provision is all what He wants to do, but He can only do it if we dwell, not visit Not do on occasion, but we dwell in the secret place of the Most High. That secret place is not a secret to us, it's a secreted place. Hidden place, right up in Him. And you cannot be in that place and not walk in love. Because He is love. I'm sharing that with you so you understand what's at stake when Satan baits you to get offended, jealous, envious. There's a wonderful book that John Bevere wrote, one of his first books, called The Bait of Satan. The word that's used there is scandalon in Greek, which is a word that was used for a stick when they would try to catch an animal. You've seen this where they take a box and they put a bait down there and then there'd be a stick that they would prop the, the box up with and when the rabbit or whatever is got inside there, you'd pull the rope, the string and the stick would fall down, fall out and the box would come down. The word scandalon was the word that was used for that stick. It's to, a trap of Satan. So you've got to ask yourself, do I want to be trapped by him? See, that's the issue that's involved because our emotions get stirred up. They did this. They said this. They whispered this. They blah, 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 blah. I had it happen just the other day. I got a report of somebody saying something or do something that I know is designed to get me upset about something. I settled a long time ago. I wouldn't bite at it because I know what's tied to the other end of that. We've been talking on Sunday morning about fishing for men and about the bait. And we've talked about Sunday that, that, that Satan has bait out there also. And if you bite his bait, you get hooked. <laughs> One of the most powerful baits he has is offense, being offended. Very costly because we step out away from the nature and character of God. Verse 28, let him who steals, steals no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands. What is good? That means it's biblical to work. That he may have something to give him who has need. Oh, this is a good one. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. I don't swear. Well, let's keep going. But what is good for necessary edification, for building up, that it may impart grace to the hearers. We're talking about walking this out. And what he's saying is the words that come out of your mouth should be designed in such a way that whoever you speak to, they impart words of grace. And they're edifying. They're building up. They're not in, that's, that's, So gossip is not edifying. But what is good... For the necessary building up ratification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed by the day of redemption. I believe that that, that, that what he's talking about here is talking about are things that can grieve the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean to leave you. Doesn't mean to get mad at you. But we don't want to... We want to please him. Let all bitterness except when it really is deserved... Let all bitterness, all. We like my God, so shall all my needs, according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. We like that all, don't we? I got news for you. It's the same word that all bitterness is. And you can't pick and choose. See, your mind, your mind understands when you don't mean all here. Because when you go over to the all blessings, it remembers you didn't mean all here, so it doesn't mean all there. See, you may say certain words, you may read certain words, but your mind's processing what they really mean. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking that doesn't just mean swearing, that means talking about each other be put away with you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given Himself for us as an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So all, all we have to do is real simple, just imitate God. But since we're His children, we ought to be able to do that. Just ask like your daddy. It's that simple. Well, let's go to Colossians chapter 3, which is really a restatement of some of these things. Starts out by saying, you know, seek things that are above and not the things of this earth. Uh, let's get down to. Um, well, verse five says, therefore, put to death your members, which are, which is your passions, your of your flesh, which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. We'll talk about that some other time. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once so walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put these off, all these anger, malice, wrath, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Whether there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, there it is again, bearing with one another. You know, God will bring people into your life that you have to bear with. Because how else are you going to know that you've got to grow in that area? It's like going, belonging to a, a gym that has no weights or exercise equipment in it. We just go drink coffee and talk to one another. Have a wonderful time and come home and say, well, I went to the gym. But going to the gym doesn't make you strong. Going to the gym doesn't make, put you in shape. You have to have, they have to have things there that create resistance to you. Remember Tony Cook that has been here? I was texting him sometime earlier this year. And we were at some place that we've been with them and just sent him a little picture and text thinking of you. And he sent me this text pack. I couldn't make anything out of it. And he sent it two or three times. Finally, he just called me. He says, I just came from a workout with my personal trainer who worked on my arms so much my thumbs aren't working right. And I don't know what I just sent you, but I didn't want you to think I was drunk, so I'm calling you <laughs> to tell you what was going on. Now, there was such pressure put against his muscles and his arms that he couldn't get his fingers to work right. But that's how we get stronger, is by exerting what we're capable of doing against resistance. Well, the same is true spiritually. So if everybody around you is just the sweetest person in the world, you're never going to grow. They may have to grow because they're around you, but you're never going to have to grow because everything's just going your way. The most important thing a child ever leads to learn is that things do not always go the way they want them to. And they figure this out about two. <laughs> okay. Bearing with one another, verse 13, forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another... Even as Christ forgave you, so must you also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. In other words, if you're in a situation and you don't know what else to do, just walk in love. Just walk in love. If things aren't going right for you, just walk in love. But you don't know what they did. It doesn't matter. Always, I look at it this way. God could say that to me. But look what you did. But look what you did. But look what you did. So ask yourself, whoever you're the most upset with, is it possible I may have done something like that to God? Oh no, I've never said anything bad to Him. Did you ever say anything that was of unbelief? Oh, I can't believe that. Well, that's defaming God's character. You know, taking his name in vain does not just mean what the world considers swearing. In vain means of no effect. So when we say, I just can't, I can't believe that. That's defaming him. Saying, I don't believe your word. You're not a God of your word. Have you ever, have you ever questioned God? You know, he had to forgive that. He had to overlook that. Have you ever failed him? Have you ever not done something you were supposed to do? I'll ask this group over here. Have you ever done, so- have you ever done something you were not supposed to do? Yes. Once? <laughs> That's all it takes. have in our mind well you know but I'm better than so and so but there's nothing in here that compares us with each other we didn't get into those scriptures in there in Ephesians 4 the only one God compares us with is Him see we forget we've talked about this before we're in the body of Christ and God's grace covers us and forgives us but the only way we're in here is by the blood of Jesus I've been a Christian for 30-some years. My access to God is still through the cross. It's still because of the cross. It's not because I'm a pastor. It's not because I've been faithful to do certain things and not, or, or haven't done other things. It's because of the cross. Because I have not been perfect. I haven't even been as close to perfect as Henry has. <laughs> but here's it. Even if that were true about him, that He only sinned once, that's the same as if you sinned every day. My point is this. We all desperately need His grace and mercy. How can we hold it back from other people that He's given it to? Okay. Oh, let's go to 1 John. This will get fun. And we'll probably... First John chapter 3. Now that's Peter. That won't work. That's good, but it's... Verse 10. In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest or made known. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, whoever does not love and nor is he who does not love his brother. This is the message you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was the wicked one, and murdered his brother. Why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we pass from life, from death to life, because We love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. I'm not talking about whether you're saved or not. Who does not love his brother is abiding in death. That's like being a royal prince and going and living in the trash dump. Now let's let's just take a look at Genesis chapter 4 and see what he's talking about about Cain and Abel. And Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived and bore Cain and said I have acquired a man from the Lord. And she bore again this time his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock, of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offerings. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. And it's not our purpose tonight to get into why, and there's several theories I've read about why God preferred one and not the other. That's not the point here that we're talking about. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? It sounds like the psalm we read. If you do well... Will you not be accepted? That word do well means have a good attitude. If you do well, if you do what you're supposed to do, have a good attitude, will not, if you do well, let's see, will you not be accepted? Now, this is after his offering's been brought. His offering's already been brought, and God rejected the offering, but now God's talking to Cain. He says, Why are you so angry at your, because notice, <laughs> Cain brings an offering to God and God rejects the offering. Abel brings an offering to God and God accepts the offering. Who does Cain get mad at? His brother. Interesting insight. Usually we get mad at other people for something we've done wrong. I think Jesus said something about this, which we'll probably get into next week. He talks about why are you trying to do eye surgery and remove that little splinter that's in your brother's eye when there's a whole beam sticking out of yours. I was thinking about that one day and I realized both of them are wood. Wood. So what makes it so easy for me to identify the little wooden splinter in your eye is because I'm looking at wooden splinter in my eye. That's why I can recognize it in you. Because I learned in my life, usually the way I get so ticked off at you about is something I'm already doing because the reason I see it in you is because it's present in me. I can be tolerant of things in people that are doing things that I'm not doing because I can give them grace. It's unresolved things in me that I tend to get upset in other people about. So here Cain, he's not, God, How? why is this a wrong offering? Why didn't you treat me when way I thought you, no, he didn't get mad at God. He takes it out on his brother for something that was off in him. And look at what God says to him. Verse 7, if you do well, will you not be accepted? Now, he's already talking about the offering was rejected, but now the issue is whether Cain's accepted or not. If you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Talking about being offended at his brother. He says, When you got offended at him, sin is knocking at the door of you to take you. Remember, we read back there give no place to the devil. Matthew chapter five, and I'll, we'll read this, and then I'll just we'll leave here. I'll let you think about this, and me too. Verse twenty one. You've heard it said, of those of old, you shall not murder. Whoever murders shall be in danger of judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry at his brother without cause shall be in danger... Now, some translations don't have without cause. Shall be in danger of judgment. I was thinking about that. Well, all right. So if it's cause, it's okay to be angry? Well, then what's just cause? And I realize it's what's just in God's eyes. Because when people, when, we're, when I'm angry at somebody, I'm always right. It's not what's a just cause to me. Because I'm angry because my justice wasn't done. So I'm not the judge of whether it's a just cause or not. God is. Shall be in danger of judgment. Whoever says to his brother, Raka, I don't want to go into all that means, but shall be in danger of the council. Whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Here's what I want to get to. Verse 23. We just looked at Cain and Abel. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you. Now we look at it, You know, before we cut, we didn't make sure I'm right, but he's talking beyond that. If I remember somebody's got something against me, look what we're supposed to do. Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way and first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. I've always thought of that in terms of coming and offering a gift of worship and then I realized today as I was going over this this is written in the context of the Old Testament worship of the temple and the tabernacle they didn't bring gifts and offerings to the altar the way we bring our praise and worship to give God or to God they brought gifts and offerings to pay for their sin So he's not talking about an act of worship because I love God. He's talking about someone coming to the house of God seeking forgiveness. And he's saying before you come and ask me, God, for forgiveness, if there's something wrong in a relationship with someone else, you leave that gift here and go get that straight first. And isn't that what Cain and Abel, they were bringing gifts to God. Now it wasn't for their sin, it was an act of worship. And one of them God accepted and the other God didn't accept, but that wasn't the point. The point was then what Cain did after that. He got offended, he got angry and jealous at his brother, and then eventually killed him. And God warned him at that point. You need to handle this the right way. If you handle this the right way, it'll go well with you. But if you don't, sin is waiting at the door to take you. And that's exactly what happened. So my brother and sister, what's at stake in how we get along with each other isn't just whether I'm happy or things are going well. There's a spiritual world realm out there that the things we do in this natural realm set in motion spiritual principles of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. If you went outside around here this morning about 10, 11 o'clock and you didn't have an umbrella, I don't care what level of faith you walk in, you would have gotten wet, soaked and you may have with an umbrella why because it's raining and if you don't protect yourself from the rain you're gonna get wet give no place to the devil we can ignore that we can get our nose so far out of joint I don't care if I'm giving but you do care whether you're giving place to the devil Because He is the enemy of your soul. Remember Jesus said, He came for only one of three purposes. To steal, to kill, or destroy. So all you've got to do is ask yourself, Do I want to be stolen from? Do I want to be killed? Or do I want my life destroyed? If you do, then give place to Him. He will more than avail you. But if you don't want to be stolen from, if you don't want to be killed, that's not just about your natural life, that's, that's your peace, your joy, your family. If you don't want those things stolen from you and your life destroyed, because he's waiting at the door to see what you're going to do, then don't give place to him. Don't let him separate you from other people in the body of Christ. The Bible doesn't say we have to like one another but we have to love one another. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you tonight for your mercy and grace that you've shown to us. You who have been so patient, so long-suffering, you've forgiven us over and over and over and over again of things that we've done to you we don't even realize we've done to you. And you paid for that with your own Son's blood. And Lord, sometimes we're stubborn and it feels like we've got to pay for it with certain hurts that we have to let go of. But they can't begin to compare to the pain and the agony that Jesus bore on that cross so that we could be forgiven. Father, I ask you tonight in every one of our lives, including mine, open our eyes to any area of our life, any relationship. Any anything in our life where we're not walking in love shine the light of your spirit on it that we might repent get things right with you and as necessary get things right if possible with that brother or sister thank you for the mercy you've extended to us Now, Father, give us the grace and the strength to extend that same mercy to others in our lives. Father, for that person that you brought into our life that rubs us the wrong way is really just annoys us. And we know we're right. Thank you for bringing them into our lives. Help us to see, Lord, ourselves, not them, and where we need to grow and change. Thank you for the opportunity to see that, Father, and for the grace to make those changes. Lord, our desire is that we would grow and mature until we come to a place of unity in this body. We can't speak to others in this body. doesn't mean we agree on everything, but it's a unity of love, a unity of purpose, a unity of, of the Spirit. And we pray, Father, by your precious Holy Spirit, that that grace would come to this place.